We, we're a Lego family. Um, we love Legos. Any, any Lego families out there? Don't be, don't be embarrassed. Yeah, we love Legos. We all love them. You know what we don't love about Legos? We don't love stepping on Legos barefoot. No, nothing hurts more uh, than to step on Legos. Um, I got a lot of experience. I can speak a lot into that. Um, we're still working on putting things away. But, uh, but we're a Lego family, and, and this here is a Lego set that my son Ruben has, and it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a big dump truck. It's got motors and hooks to the iPad. It does all sorts of things. Legos have come a long way, uh, both in technology and in price. But anyway, uh, I'll leave that there. But you can see that this is, this is quite the instruction book. Yeah, th there's over 680 individual steps covering 440 pages, weighing about three pounds. Put that in layman terms, I'm holding a forest in my hands <laughs> worth of paper. Now, this Lego set, it, it really is something else. But it would be foolish, you know, if we were to go to the, the Lego store and we were to see this in its box and it's 2,000 pieces, whatever it is, and we were to make the investment, we were to bring it home, we get it home, we open it up, we dump out all the pieces, we set up the box, and we take the instructions and we throw them away. That would be foolish, isn't it? Because what, is, what are instructions? Well, instructions, step by step, outline the design and the desire of the creator. Simply put, if you follow the steps in order, you'll get the picture. You'll get the desired outcome. Instructions help us do that. Did you know God's given us instructions? God's given us instructions. His word, the Bible, it's full of instructions for all of life. And one of the instructions that we're going to look at today is God's instructions for the home, for the family, for relationships. Now, in Jesus's, arguably his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which can be found in Matthew uh, chapters 5 through chapter 7, Jesus really, he gives us this holistic view of the life that he desires and has designed for his followers to live. And he gives instructions. And he concludes the Sermon on the Mount uh, with this really simple and, and yet very profound a parable. Many of you know it, but it comes in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with what? A great crash. Of everything the builders could have built, what do they build? They build a house, right? They, they don't build an education institution. 
Or they don't build a university. They don't build a government building. They don't even build a synagogue. What do they build? They build a house. They build a home. A home is its most relatable. It's the most important dwelling that one can envision. It's the most significant. And just as it was in Jesus' day, it remains in us today. All of life takes place where? In the home. God has given us his design and his desire and his instructions for the home. And to Jesus' point, right, any attempt to build our homes or our lives, we would say, on anything other than the word of God is both foolish and futile because whether you are a believer this morning or not yet a believer, every person will experience the storms of life. The streams rise, the rains fall, the winds blow and beat against the house. Storms, storms come in many varieties, right? Some of us are, maybe we are facing a medical storm. Maybe a financial storm, a relational storm, a marital storm, a parenting storm, a a circumstantial storm, a workplace storm. Whatever it is, every person will experience the storms of life. And according to scriptures, storms affect the home and we'll all experience them. You see, Paul understood that. And in his text, in his letter to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, we'll be there in a moment, Paul is, is going to demonstrate God's design and his desire for the home. And he's going to share with us three instructions that every Christ follower would be wise to implement into their lives and into their homes. Let's begin. You're in Colossians chapter 3. I am not, but I'm getting there. Beginning in verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Any questions? (laughs) We're good? Moving on. I love how it doesn't even like warm up to that, right? Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Well, the first instruction uh, that, that, that Scripture gives us, God's design and desire, healthy marriages are built on a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Healthy marriages are always built on a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, if we were to go all the way back to the garden, right, we would have learned that God established a marriage to be a part of his created order. And his design and his desire was for marriage to be between one man and one woman for life. It's a reflection of his covenant relationship with his people. But when sin entered the world, what happened? The family unit was devastated. The relationship between husband and wife, in case you didn't know, became strained. Sin does that. It causes a strain on our relationships. 
First and foremost, it causes a strain on our relationship vertically with God. And a result of that broken relationship is a strain on all of our horizontal relationships, specifically Scripture speaking about the husband and wife relationship. So the home became corrupted. What God had created to be healthy, sin caused to become unhealthy. Sin always separates us from God and from one another, but what sin, what sin broke, God seeks to rebuild. See, through the redemptive power of Christ, God provides a way for our homes to be redeemed and to be rebuilt according to his design and his desire. So church, no matter what condition you might say this morning your marriage is in, understand this, there is hope in Jesus. And there is hope for your marriage with Jesus. Nothing is beyond his redemptive power. So how can our homes be uh, redeemed according to God's design and desire? Well, it always begins, a healthy home always begins with our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That our relationship, individually and personally, would be healthy with the Lord. Now, I just want to share with you a few reminders, we'll call them essential reminders, to having a healthy relationship with Jesus. First is this, we must submit that, that Jesus is the ultimate authority in our lives. Health tip number one, Jesus is the ultimate authority. Second, we obey Jesus out of love, right? Not out of obligation, out of love. Third, we invite Jesus's ongoing involvement in all of life. Now, I can be guilty of breaking this one, right? I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I find that I'm on this like check-in basis with God, right? You know, especially in times when things are going well, we can kind of go about and then we just check in. Yeah, God, all's good. Checking in, phone a friend. We're good. And then next thing you know, right, there's a distance beginning to form in your relationship with the Lord and relationships around you begin to become strained because God is no longer a part of your every day. Church, invite Jesus in an ongoing, continual involvement in your life. He's a God of details. Two more reminders. We must learn to rest in the love and grace in Jesus. And last but not least, man, we must all learn to trust Jesus. That we would just learn to trust him in our lives. Now, for Jesus to be the Lord of our marriages, he must first be the Lord of our hearts individually. And that's really kind of the, the point that Paul is making in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, I think we have it, uh, I think, up on the screen here. So then, just as who? You received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. With that basis, Paul now talks about husband and wife relationships. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I need help working through this text. So I've asked my wife, Christy. She's going to join me up here. Uh, this is my, my beautiful wife, Christy. Yeah, if you give her a hand, awesome. How are you? 
Awesome. So she's going to help us walk through this text. But, um, babe, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm Christy. I'm Hi. also known as David's wife or Reuben and Mary's mom or Dave and Barb's daughter. So, yeah, that basically sums it up. No. <laughs> Okay, we got that out of the way. Um, no, um, I've got the privilege and honor. I get to homeschool our children, and I absolutely love that. Um, I've been attending Calvary here and calling it my home church for over 23 years, so I have grown up here, and I know that there are many of you that have poured into my life um, through the years, and I'm just so thankful to have this opportunity to be here today. So Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're thankful yeah. you're here. Um, and just so, we're, just so we're on the same page. Yes. Pop quiz, how long have we been married? 14 and a half years. Good, yes. we're on the same yes. page. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that you knew and I yeah, knew yeah, and all yeah. of that. So, remember, 14 and a half years, we actually, we met here. We met at the Young Adults Ministry here uh, years ago. It was called uh, Fusion. Mm-hmm. Um, we got married right here on the stage. Got married on this stage, so, so here we are. Yeah. Um, a couple things about us, right? We love to travel. We do. I think we have a picture of our family. Well, here's yeah, That's our daughter, Mary. She turned eight uh, last week. Uh, that's Reuben. He's 10. He loves Legos. And, uh, and there, we, we, we love to travel. We love food. Mm-hmm. Um, we love each other. Yes, we do. And we love Jesus. Yes, not in that order, though. <laughs> not in that order, but all those things. All those things. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hon, let's get to the text today. Okay. Uh, scripture opens up right here, right out of the gate. Wives, submit to your husbands, as mm-hmm. is fitting in the Lord. Could you help us with that? Yeah, yeah. So that term submit, um, it has definitely been misused, misinterpreted in a variety of ways. Um, Some have even accused Paul of being misogynistic. But submission has absolutely nothing to do with being smarter, more talented, or valued. It has everything to do with um, God's appointed order in the home. Okay, so we're equal in value, equal in value, but it's just appointed order. Um, and Let, God, let's talk about that real quick. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Equal in value, mm-hmm. different in roles. In roles. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're thinking, well, how can that be? Well, we can just look at Jesus and the Father, right? Mm-hmm. What did Jesus say? He who has seen me has what? Seen the Father. What else does Jesus say? I only do those things the Father tells me to do. Equal in value, different in roles. Mm-hmm. So when we see it here, submission really just means support. Wives, support and encourage your husband um, as according to the Lord. Right, and you do a great job at supporting me. Oh, thank you. So while we're on, I got a lot of ideas. Yeah, you always have ideas. I love to run by. I love your support on all of those. <laughs> you got more ideas than I keep up with. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, but, but we, can, we can say today, you know, we can take that term, that term submit, and to give us maybe a, a more applicable understanding would be wives support your husbands. Mm-hmm. Wives support your husbands. Now, um, let, let's look at, at 1 Peter chapter 3. What does 1 okay. Peter chapter 3 say? 1 Peter chapter 3, I think we got it. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without the words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So my support of him, I support him, because of my love for the Lord. And as I love the Lord, I will support him. Whether he is deserving of it or not, I will. Because that's because of my love for the wow. Lord. Sorry. <laughs> well, I love you. Well, I love you too. But, but that is key. That is important. What you said is yeah. essential, right? Yeah. Because your support for me mm-hmm. is not based 
on who I am or what I do, which, by the way, husbands, is incredibly liberating, but rather her support is based on her relationship with Jesus Christ. As an overflow of that, or we could say as a response to her relationship, a healthy relationship with the Lord, she will support me as, as the way scripture mm-hmm. outlines. Yeah. yeah. And, and some cultures might say women should be submissive to all men, but no, what, what does scripture say? We always go back to scripture. We start with scripture. Right. What does scripture say? Scripture says to support your own husband yeah. as unto the Lord. So with heartfelt respect, honor, encouragement, I want to lift you up. You want to lift yeah. your husband up and you will know how to do that. And I have, because you always do a great job at that. Thank you. You know, even when you shoot down my ideas, <laughs> you shoot them down supportively. Like the time when we got married and you wanted to put a fire truck on our fireplace mantle as decoration? That was 14 years ago. I thought we worked past that. <laughs> we were. We were. I'd just like to remind you. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> yeah. I'll make all the decor de- decisions. Together. Yes. Together, yes. you will make all the de- decor decisions. All right, let's, let's get, get back, back to this. <laughs> right, so that's speaking of, there's conflict in the marriage. Yes. Right, if any of you have been married more than anything longer than an I do, um, you know that there is conflict uh, in the marriage. And so, where does that come from? We have to go back to the garden, go back to God's original desire and design. Now, back in the garden, we go back to Genesis chapter 2, um, God created Adam. And, uh, and, and, and it was just Adam and God, right? And, uh, and, and God said, man, Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. I'm going to create a helpmate for you. He creates Eve, and, and then the two of them, they have this perfect relationship with God, and they have a perfect marriage. But then in chapter 3, something terrible happened. Sin happened. The willful decision of Adam and Eve to disobey the will of God. And as a result of that, um, sin entered the world. Sin entered the marriage. And, and just as a disclaimer, guys, there's no perfect marriage out there. We don't have a perfect marriage. Even this week, there were things that I was like, we're just going to let that one go because we're, te- we're teaching on marriage, right? What, you know, like, we talk about that later. <laughs> I'm the perfect husband. I mean, I don't know what. So if there is any, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> seriousness there there is no perfect marriage right and and what is important is to understand that and when things come up and things happen be quick be quick to make amends to resolve to move forward and to go get together and to forgive to not let that bitterness take a root because you know you know come on if you're married you know that there are times where you're like "Mm, that rubbed me wrong and I'm just gonna hold on to that and I'm gonna fester that and the Lord's like no no get rid of that yeah because what God has joined together, the enemy likes to get in and separate. Absolutely. So, and remember, when you got married, the two became one. So don't let the enemy in there to divide that. That's right. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do. And we, we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, the result of sin. Let's look at this up on the screen together. It says, to the woman he, and, that, and that's God. God said, uh, speaking to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So first off, let's talk about what is scripture not saying? Scripture is not saying that as a result of sin, wives will love their husbands more. <laughs> that is not what Scripture is saying. What Scripture is saying is that there is going to be a desire for role reversal. Mm-hmm. 
There is going to be a desire for the wife to not support the husband in his God-given role in the family. Mm -hmm. And that is where that conflict is going to be rooted. It's going to be rooted all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, a direct result of sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my devotion, a wife's devotion to her husband, is ultimately an expression of our love for Christ. Right. And, and that's what we do. Yeah. You do a great job at that. Oh, thank you. I love when you have your quiet times in the morning. Because it means you should be more supportive for me then. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to husbands now, because I think we've got a word for the husbands. Okay, moving on to husbands. Right, so husbands, we're not, we're not off the hook here, because Scripture has a word for you and I. Right, and Scripture says, husbands, um, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So, so Scripture has a word for us. Love your wives. That is specifically, he's talking about just that selfless, unconditional, agape love for our wives. And how do we do that? Well, there's a really great template for us here in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, husbands, love your wives. Well, how are we to do that? Just as Christ loved the church. Well, how did he love the church? He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a, what kind of church? Nice and loud. What? Radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. So what are we seeing here from Scripture? We're seeing, husbands, we're seeing instructions for how we ought to love our wives. Now, I know that not everyone in here is Maybe married. Maybe you're yet to be married, but still take note of this. These are, these are instructions. And I want, if we're going to leave this verse up for a few minutes, I want to highlight three scriptural ways husbands are to love their wives. First, we're going to note verse 26 to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. What does that mean? Husbands, we're going to love our wives spiritually. Say that with me, spiritually. How do we love our wives spiritually? It's when we as husbands point our wives to Jesus, right? I'm gonna, I want to, if I'm going to love my wife spiritually, I'm going to love her spiritually, I want to be pointing her to Jesus and to the best of my ability, Christ in me, helping to model what it is to, uh, to follow Jesus to you, her. You do a great job of that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, you can get that thing on Amazon. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to love her spiritually. I want to be pointing her to Jesus. Second, uh, it, it says to present her to himself as a what kind of church? Radiant church. Radiance. I don't know what images or what might spark your imagination when you hear that word radiant. But for me, when I think of that, I think of something that is healthy, that is flourishing, um, that, that is, yeah. So I want, to, I want to love my wife. I want to love Christy emotionally. How am I going to do that? I'm going to value, respect, and I'm going to honor her. I'm going to listen to her. Husbands, I'm going to listen to what my did, wife. What did I just say? Just kidding. What did I just say? You just said what I just say. <laughs> so we're going to love spiritually. We want to love emotionally. Last but not least, she says without blemish. We want to love our wives physically, physically providing for all of their physical needs. So you won't mind when all those boxes come this week? What boxes? <laughs> just kidding. I thought that Kinda. physical meant something else. Probably. <laughs> wink, wink. Okay. Um, 
Guys, husbands, our wives are a gift from the Lord, right? It's not good for you to be alone. I will create a helper for you. Makes Eve. Eve enters the scene and everything falls apart. But that's a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, our, our wives are, are, are a gift. Are a gift from the Lord. You're a gift from the Lord. And um, yeah, amen. Um, you know, as a father, uh, you know, nothing upsets me really more, I think, as a father um, than when I, when I give my children, when we give our children a gift, a gift that we have put uh, time, thought, effort, and invested resources into. Um, for that gift, that same day it is given, for it to be, like, strewn about. You know what I'm talking about, moms and dads. Like, half the present is in the yard, right? The other half is over here, and nobody knows where the other pieces are. Like, the whole thing, like, exploded, and it will never be the same again. Like, I might as well have just given you something broken from the beginning. So, so nothing really upsets me more, and my children can attest to that, um, than when a, a gift that is given to them is misused and abused. Mm. Uh, how much more, uh, husbands, our Heavenly Father, for He has given us the gift of our wives. Uh, may we honor, love, and respect them. Um, they are a precious gift from the Lord. May there be no abuse May there be no neglect. May there be no abandonment. Mm. Your wives are a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, scripture also has more to say about husbands, right? Mm-hmm. Do not embitter them. Mm-hmm. Man, some of, your, some of your translations may say do not be harsh with them. You know, and I think just real quick comment on that. What, what would cause that harshness? What would cause that embitterment? Simple. We talked about how to love our wives, right? Where to love them. Say it with me. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically, according to the scriptures. When we, when we don't do that, that can cause a root of bitterness mm-hmm. uh, to, to well up within our wives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, our, I think, a number one guard against that is that we would be active in the way we love our wives. And we just want to remember that Satan is always trying yeah. to get in there and separate what God has joined together. Right. And so don't let those roots of bitterness grow. Right. Maybe, maybe you realize today, even just talking about this, that there is something there. Give it to the Lord. Surrender it over to him. Yeah. There is no marriage too far gone that the Lord can't redeem. That's today, right. he can. That's can't. right. Amen. Absolutely. And, and what Satan loves to do here, let's come over here. Oftentimes what happens, right, you start off like this, all right, and you're saying... Right on the stage, right? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. I, I do. I'd say, yeah. yeah. But what happens as time goes on, right, you, you stop going from this, this to this. And before you know it, you are two people living under the same roof. And you're parenting the same children, but this is what your relationship looks like. Satan loves this. Satan loves a back-to-back husband and wife. Empty shells living under a roof. Maybe that's some of you in here watching online. This is not the marriage that God designed and desired. But with the power of the gospel, the hope of Jesus, in a moment, Mm -hmm. today, God can take your marriage from this back to this, his design and desire. And when we're hand in hand, 
eye to eye, there is no room for the enemy to come in and work a vein of bitterness. Mm-hmm. Now, the number one way that Satan is going to get uh, into our marriages is, is through this simple phrase, he or she doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Right? She doesn't deserve my love. She doesn't deserve my spiritual, emotional, physical love, all that provision. And, and to Christy, the enemy's going to say what? He doesn't deserve it. Yeah. And, and let me say, when that thought comes, you got to take that thought captive quickly. Yeah. Because you know what happens, and I've been there, you get that, and then it spirals, and it spirals, and it spirals, and two hours later, you're fuming. You're like, right. well, how dare they? Like, I can't believe it. Uh, you know, whatever. Slamming right. drawers. Like, I'm, whatever, I'm not doing this. And right. it's like, no, you got to take that thought captive. Right. And we say when that, when that thought comes in, they don't deserve it. I'd say this, you know what? You're absolutely right. They don't deserve it, and you don't deserve theirs. And then we would say this, but do you and I deserve the unconditional love of Jesus Christ? Do we? No. We don't. So then we go back to the gospel when, that's the, when that thought comes. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Let's take a look at it together. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, we can say that while we were undeserving, mm-hmm. Christ died for us. While we were undeserving, God still actively demonstrated his love for us. So when the enemy comes, we always go back to the gospel. Amen. When those thoughts of she doesn't deserve it, he doesn't deserve it. Well, you know what? We don't deserve it either. But yet, God still loves us. So we push, press back into the gospel. We press back into our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about children. Okay. You want to read the next text here? Let's talk about, yeah, let's go down to chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Children... Obey your parents in everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, we can just put this on our kid's bedroom door. (laughs) Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Verse 21, fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Okay, the second instruction that Scripture gives us for a home is this. Um, God's design and desire, healthy families are built on a healthy relationship with Jesus. Healthy families are built on a healthy relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, first off, like I said, there's no perfect marriages. Guess what? There's no perfect parents either. Right. Um, but what we do want to do is strive to pour into our kids and to raise them in homes that they would come to know Christ and follow Christ. Um, the command to the children, the children is anybody that's under the provision and protection of the parents. Right. That's really who Paul is talking to here with children. Yeah. Yeah, under their provision and their protection. And, and it's, it's children are to obey their parents in everything. Now, let's go back to, to the, the audience, we would say, the recipients of Paul's letter, right? Who is he writing to? He is writing to the church. He's writing to believers. And if we were to go back to the beginning of the book of Colossians and find our way to verse 10, Colossians 1.10 says, Walk worthy of the Lord and please him, in every way. So, so the, the background to this directive to children, the background is that parents are already sound-minded, born-again, 
maturing Christ followers who would not claim to love Jesus while knowingly participate in illegal or immoral or uh, questionable activity. Activity. The, the assumption that Paul is making is that the recipient, that the parent, is going to be in a healthy relationship with Jesus. And as a result of that, the directions or the instructions that the parent gives the child would be God-honoring. Mm -hmm. Obey those God-honoring. And, and why is this? It's, children are to obey their parents because it pleases the Lord. But the home is the training ground. Right. We have our children in our home for such a short time. And in that time, we want to invest into them and pour the word of God into them and train them so that when they're older, they can draw from that word that has been poured into them and they can follow Christ. Right. Um, so right. it's, it's a training ground. We've got them for that short time. We, we teach them, we train them, and then we send them out. Right, that's exactly right, because they're going to learn obedience, mm -hmm. uh, not by accident, mm -mm. right? Children don't become accidentally obedient. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be awesome. <laughs> like, pray, like, praise God. <laughs> like, you just became obedient. No, they're going to learn that uh, from you and I. And, and, and watching our lives and how right. we follow Christ. Right, as we follow Christ, mm -hmm so will our children. As the parents go, so goes the children. Mm -hmm. Hey, talk to us a little bit about Deuteronomy. What does scripture say? So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, I believe we got up here. There we go. says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So what are the instructions here? This, they're just saying continually be pouring in the word of God to your children. Like throughout the day when different things arise, when situations arrive with classmates, pray for them. Talk yeah. to them about scripture. When you see things on TV, talk about it. This isn't supposed to be like a we check into church and that's the only time we talk about God. Right. It's supposed to be a continual conversation that's taking place. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. We had something happen to us about a year ago. We, we owned some property and someone else thought it was their property, so they took it from us. Um, so I'm on the phone with the police and I'm thinking like we're getting, we're getting maximum sentencing. Like, we're getting all the resources, and we're going to track this guy down, and we're going to bring him to justice. And, and That's I, where I'm at. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty upset, too. And, you know, I felt like the Holy Spirit in the moment was like, you know what? We just need to pray. And so I said, okay, gathered the kids, and I said, let's pray. You know, and I'm praying that this person gets caught, and, you know, they don't do this crime again. And then, and I love the way, the, this, is, this is the Lord working. All of a sudden, my daughter prays, and she prays. Lord, I pray that this person would come to know you and that they would lead many to come to Christ. And I was like, yeah. humbled. Because, yeah. you know what, guys? That was the Holy Spirit working in here. And it was those continual deposits of planting seeds and planting right. seeds and planting seeds and praying for people to come to know Christ that in that moment, she knew what was most important. Yeah. And guys, your kids will do that. If you're constantly faithfully pouring into them, God will use them to help refine you. Right. In, in many ways. Right. That's exactly right. 
It, it takes time. It's a cultivation of the heart mm -hmm. to spiritually uh, know and follow Jesus. It does take time. It is worth it. Uh, be patient, be mm -hmm. prayerful, and be persistent. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and God will do the rest. But, that, uh, but to learn obedience, it does require discipline. Now, I know that that word can, can trigger some different thoughts in us. And we, know we all have uh, different philosophies of discipline. Discipline is, is not just... Um, uh, a painful punishment, one might say. Uh, but discipline, I think, is better thought of holistically as training, right? It's training grounds. Why are the best athletes the best athletes, right? It's not because they neglected their bodies and ate fried food every day. It's because they disciplined their bodies. It's because they said no to certain uh, pleasures, one might say, so that they can say yes to pursuing a certain goal, to becoming something. A discipline is simply that. It is training our children uh, to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and we would also say that, uh, that discipline is not a one-size-fits-all. Right? Our children have unique personalities. They have a bend to them. Um, scripture even speaks about that in Proverbs 22. Uh, we want to identify that. Many of you, even maybe you even remember parents holding uh, your child there right after they're born in a hospital, and you can already begin to, to see some of those personality characteristics. And, you know, they only get stronger as they grow. Um, so, so we want to almost tailor a discipleship plan for our children uh, to their personalities, uh, discipline and obedience are all about making our children disciples of Jesus Christ. So what does Proverbs 3 say about this? Proverbs 3 says this, My child, up on the screen here, uh, do not reject the Lord's discipline. Do not be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So in that first part there, it says, My child, who is he speaking to? Is he speaking to children or is he speaking to grown-ups? Speaking to grown, speaking to us, he's speaking to adults. So if we, as children of the Lord, are under the discipline of the Lord, why? Not because he is angry, but because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. In the same way, we are to likewise discipline our children, not out of anger, but how? Out of love mm -hmm. for what is best for them. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, real quick. A few ways that we can discourage our children. Scripture says, uh, it gives us a warning that they can become discouraged while learning obedience. Here's just four common ways that we can discourage our children. Only bad behavior is recognized. Uh, we don't just want to recognize the bad behavior. Uh, we, we also want to celebrate and recognize the good behavior in both instances, pointing them to Scripture. Mm -hmm. A second, children are not taken seriously mm -hmm. is a way. Right? And that can happen simply because we have more life experience. Right? We just know that certain things are going to work and not work. Our children don't know that yet. Well, let's be careful to not squelter or squash uh, their creativity and their imagination simply because we have more life experience. Uh, let's, let's help them learn as well. Uh, we have unrealistic expectations. Remember, children are children. Right? Okay, they are children. Uh, they are not grown adults. Um, and last but not least, that we don't give children the opportunity to perform tasks individually, right? We go back to the same, well, it's faster if I just do it myself. Um, we want to be careful of that uh, because our home, as Christy had mentioned, right, it is a training ground to cultivate the hearts of our children uh, to know and follow Jesus.
So one of the ways we want to do that is by discipling or training our children um, by identifying the heart issues right. um, and, and taking them to Scripture and showing them what does Scripture show. You can always Google a Bible verse, okay? There's tons of resources to do that, but we want to point our kids to Scripture. What does God's Word say? And then we want to pray with them about that. That's right. We always want to bring it to prayer, bring mm -hmm. it back to And Jesus. we also want to celebrate the good behavior and Absolutely. point to Scripture in that, too. Now, there's many resources out there, and, and one of the resources that we offer, uh, just as a church, if you call Calvary Chapel Melbourne your home church, we do offer uh, a fantastic resource that is free to you. It's called Right Now Media. I know many of you uh, may have already signed up for this, but if you haven't, uh, I just want to put it back out there in front of you again. This is free, and if you would just picture like the Netflix of Bible-based Christian helps. There's Bible studies, everything from, from marriage uh, to parenting, finances, uh, leadership, everything in between. Um, there are, is over 20,000 different uh, Bible studies and titles in here. Again, that is free for you. It takes two minutes to register. Uh, scan the QR code, more information at the center. It's been a great help for us. There's a whole kids section too, and our yeah. kids love the videos on there, and they learn things. They're constantly bringing things to me. Mom, did you know this about the Bible? And I'm like, Where'd you learn that? They're like, oh, Superbook on Right Now Media. Yeah. So again, we just want to remind you of that resource. It's fantastic. But uh, what we've learned so far in our text about God's design and desire for the home is that healthy marriages are built on a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, and healthy families are built on a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything goes back to what? Our relationship with Christ. Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. Christy, thank you so much. You're wonderful. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, give her a hand. Thank you. Yeah, wonderful. All right. Well, we have a couple minutes left, and we want to finish this uh, portion of text out. If you would follow with me in verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do. Let's say that one more time together. Whatever you do. One more time. All right, you said it. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. All right, the third and final instruction that Scripture gives us here has to do with the workplace. God's design and desire. Healthy workplaces are, guess what? Built on a healthy relationship with Jesus. If we're going to have a healthy workplace... If we're going to be a healthy employee and a healthy employer, we must also have a healthy relationship with Jesus. Now, Paul speaks into this a little bit. And now he speaks about slaves and masters. And culturally, uh, that, was, uh, that was accepted. But uh, remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to believing slaves and believing masters. Uh, Paul understood, right, that the greatest means of social and cultural change doesn't happen by attacking the issue. It happens through the spiritual transformation through the power of the gospel. And Paul says, hey, if, I, if we can address the heart issue, the, what, how the gospel works, 
in the life of a slave and as a master, the result of that will be cultural change. So what's he saying here? We can, we can take this now, right? The gospel always meets us in our circumstance. And he takes the master and he takes the slave and he changes their, uh, the perspective of their respective positions. And he says, both of you are serving the Lord. He levels the playing field. He says, it's no longer a, a master domineering over the slave. It's no, no, no. Slave and master. You both serve a higher authority. His name is Jesus. And you are both accountable to that higher authority. Now, we can take that, we can transpose that to today, and we can say employee, employer, worker, supervisor. To the Christian employee, he says this, obey your employer in everything. Remember, the assumption he's making is that the employer, supervisor, is also a believing Christ follower. Right? So that, that the instructions given are not going to be illegal or immoral. God would never accept, he would never condone uh, illegal or immoral activity. Right? If that is taking place, uh, do not participate in that. Um, but he lists three manners in which we are to serve the Lord under our employer. So here it is. Verse 22, we want to work with integrity. We want to serve with sincerity. And we want to labor diligently. These are three values that every Christian employee, and we'd say an employer, ought to possess in their lives as a part of their character as a Christ follower. We would work with integrity, we would serve with sincerity, and we would labor diligently because we're not working for the man, right? We're working for who? We're working for the Lord. They're working for the Lord. The Christian employee and employer ought to be the most sought after, not because of knowledge, skill, or ability, but because of character. Because of the character of the heart in the life of the Christian is more valuable than knowledge, skill, and ability. Those can be taught. Character is the result of spending time with Jesus. Work with integrity, serve with sincerity, labor diligently. And he speaks then to the employer. He says, employer, provide for those you lead. Supervisor, manager, CEO, treat your staffs, your employees, rightly and fairly, knowing that you also we would say, have a supervisor over you whom you are accountable to. Treat those you lead as Christ has treated you. And in so doing, what's happening? We are building the life that God designed and desired because it is not built on human wisdom. It's not driven by the bottom line. It's driven by the power of the gospel. And it doesn't have to make sense from world economics. It has to make sense in God's economy. Employer, employee, 
work with integrity, serve with sincerity, labor diligently, provide for those you lead with what is right and what is fair. So we learned today three instructions uh, to building the home or building the life that God designed and desired. We talked about marriages. Healthy marriages are what? Built on a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Healthy families are built on a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And a healthy workplace is built on a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Church, it all begins with what? Our relationship with Jesus Christ. And for, for many of us here, Man, that is an ongoing, growing, vibrant, healthy relationship. Guys, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep the fire for the Lord burning. But maybe for others of us, maybe we've cooled down a little bit. Maybe we've kind of fallen into that rut where we're just checking in with God a little here and there. For others of us, maybe it's been a long time. And yet for some, maybe we don't know the Lord. We don't know him as our, our Lord of our lives, the Savior of our soul. No other relationship in your life is going to be correct until your relationship with God is worked out through Jesus. So I want to give you now, as we, as we close in prayer, I want to give you that opportunity. If you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. The band's going to come out, and we're going to pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, you desire to build our lives on your word, on you. It all begins with that healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know that we have all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. But God, the sin that we have done, you redeemed uh, on the cross, Lord, separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you call us by name, uh, not in fear, but out of love. So, Lord, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and if there is anyone here who has never given their life to Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. There are some of you here who have cooled off, who are just checking in with God. Today is the day to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, to resurrender to him. If either of those are you, would you just raise your hand this morning saying today, yes, amen. Raise your hand, amen, yep, yep. Today, I'm giving my life to Jesus, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, Father, we thank you. Your gospel has the power to change a life, to change a marriage in a moment. Thank you for calling us by name. Thank you, Lord, that you are for us and not against us, and nothing can separate us from your love. We resurrender our lives to you this morning, and we invite you to build our lives on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, would you stand as we worship the Lord? Let's sing together. I build my life.
church, you have your communion elements. I thank you for a few extra minutes this morning. Communion is a special thing, isn't it? It's a reminder of our covenant relationship God has with us. It's a new covenant. It's for believers. If you want to just go ahead and open the bread there. The Bible says, in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread and he, after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When we take this, we remember the Lord's body is broken so that our lives can be made whole, so that our marriages can be made whole, so that our parenting by his grace will make it another day can be made whole. Lord, we thank you for breaking your body so ours can be made whole. You are the bread of life, our strength, our sustainer, and our redeemer. We take this now in remembrance of you. Amen. Let's take together. Scripture goes on to say in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Church, he is coming back. Amen. He is coming back. So, Lord, we take now and we thank you. Your word says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. We take this as a reminder in reverence that today, because of what you did on the cross, we are right with you. Sins forgiven forever to be remembered no more. Lord, help us to walk with integrity today, with character today, to be a witness for you today. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take together. Awesome. Guys, we love you. Thank you. God is so good. Um, A few things for us. Pizza with a pastor, if you signed up for that, that's taking place in about 10 minutes up above the cafe second. Uh, if you're new to the church, uh, have questions, go to the info center. Also go there, get some Christmas invites, pass them out. Uh, last but not least, we thank you for your generous giving of your tithes and offerings uh, to further the work of the ministry here. Up front, there's going to be a prayer team. My wife, Christy, and I are up here. We'd love to pray with you. If you need prayer for your marriage, you need prayer in parenting, or you just need a prayer. Come on up front. God loves you. We love you. If he is for us, who can be against us? God bless you. See you this week.